Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Notice all the Americans in the one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I, I know we don't normally do this, but I feel like it's appropriate. I need to have a little confession time, and that is I am eating jelly beans that I took out of my kids' Easter candy. Wow. wow. Okay. That's low, man. Yeah. Okay. I was at that Easter egg hunt. They uh, they shed blood for those. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Look, I can't like if there's jelly beans, I'm it's they're going down. I I can't really say no to the jelly beans, even if they belong to my kids. Well, uh, I I think it's good that you can confess that, Lee, and and uh, this is a safe place where we can all. <laughs> Sure. Talk about our unhealthy habits. I think it's good that it's, there's a decent chance that Lee's wife is going to find out that by listening to the podcast. Yeah. Well, I think Christy will be okay with it. As long as Nora doesn't listen to the podcast, I think I'm in good shape. And Nora has busted me eating jelly beans that she owned before. And I woke <laughs> up the next day, and there was literally a piece of paper on the kitchen counter that said, Dad, comma, did you eat all of my jelly beans? And there was a box beside the word yes, a box beside this, the word no, and it said, check the box. Love wow. Yeah. Written confession. Okay. Okay. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. I think Nora would find this podcast a little juvenile. I think honest. so. I think it would be a little bit below her taste. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of the quality of work we do in this podcast, I have an emergency to declare. Really? Oh. Is it a real emergency? Oh, it's Matt? an emergency. Okay. Well, I mean, there have been a, a few instances this week of a trend that I find deeply unsettling, and okay. I want to just bring it before the, uh, the council here, get some opinions. The emergency is... I think the audience might be funnier than us. Okay, that is an emergency. <laughs> that uh, that is shocking. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring my evidence here. We had a so a couple weeks. I the last episode. Of, I think it was the one before that. We recorded these in batches sometimes. So we had a little run of a philosoph- of a theological rappers. Sure, sure. Which right. we all we all landed some pretty good some pretty good ones. I think personally, I liked run DMCS Lewis. That Absolutely, was fine, I think. Yeah, we all kind of agreed that was that was the the, the parting shot on that one. Yeah. So we you know uh, a lot of the stuff we'll put up on the blog when the when the podcast comes out, and that'll obviously cross post to your uh, your Twitters and your Facebooks and whatnot. We had some people get in on the action. On okay. The, wow. Okay. Particularly our friend Angelina on Facebook there okay. went off. Okay. And uh, she put us all to shame. Okay, let's hear it. Really? I'm just going to give you, I'm just giving you a run. Starts out, Lil Wayne Grudem. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> which. That's strong out of the box. That's really right funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Wow. A lesser person would have stopped there. The notorious B.I.G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's very, very strong. LL Cool J.I. Packer. Okay. 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 Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. This one I like. I'm a big fan of the efficiency and the subtlety. Thomas Aquinas. Okay, wow. yeah. Didn't yes. even actually have to change the spelling. That's how good that one yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Most definite atonement. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Jurassic five points of Calvinism. Okay, yes. yes and then yeah. this is the last one, and this is really, 
for sheer inappropriateness and how funny it is, ODB attitudes. <laughs> yes. I, so, I, I approve of all of those. So, Angelina, prove yourself to be funnier than us. Wow, if you that's think amazing. you have, we do all the. The Facebook page is The Bridge Chicago. We'll post every time. If you think you have better versions of our jokes, go on there and, and, help, and help us out. Feel free to do that. And Angelina, get in touch with me. I think she's already a Bridgebox subscriber. Email me, Matt, at MissionUSA.com. And I don't know if you have a Say That t-shirt, but you earned one. Yeah. You and you shall have one of those. or whatever. If you already have one of those, we'll get you some other piece of swag. And then we head to the Twitters. Okay. Okay. As many of you may acknowledge a couple the last we had a couple of emergencies about the the worst slash best t shirt of all time. Right. Well our friend Noel down there in Nashville yes. uh, took her uh, took our photoshopping abilities and created a vision of what it would look like if Glenn was wearing that T-shirt. Wow. She d- must have dug into Glenn's Instagram. I believe. Which has been f- lying fallow for a yes. couple of years. Found a picture of him wearing a blue T-shirt. Wow. And superimposed, purely loving my husband, and I haven't even met him yet Gosh, on top of it. That's, that's getting correct. it done. It was amazing. There were also, and the, here's the thing, and Glenn mentioned this to Noel on Twitter. We say things on the podcast. Right. And we don't remember them. No. So Glenn woke up to this, and there's one of him as the, uh, looks like a Roman gladiator outfit, but with the Queen of England's hat on it. Yeah, that Which sounds like a combination confusing. of things you would have said at one time. Right. And then there was a very uh, futuristic silver jumpsuit getup. Right. Which, again, sounds like something you would have said. That was incredible. But he had no memory of saying these things, nor any of right. us him saying, so... We we all just woke up confused. This is what as soon as we're finished taping this podcast, everything that I said and did um, gets deleted. Same from yeah. from my memory. Same so, retweet. Yeah, so it's like uh, I, I I'm I'm opening up my Twitter and there's I, my head is pasted onto various things sure. and I'm very disturbed. And you're you normally. These guys are only reminded of things they said on the podcast when they're listening back occasionally yes. or when they are getting very bad feedback from their wife about something. Right. Well, so Noel went and really set the bar high. And then I got I got a te- an actual textual message from Lee and, Lee and I got from our friend Charlie. And I've got a, <laughs> got a text from Charlie that just said, I need pictures of Glenn. Wow. I said, That's I never good. By a weird happenstance, I had pictures of Glenn. We could do oh. something about that. Wait, so Glenn, this is what your this is how your employees just throw you under the bus here, man? Yeah, apparently. I think it turned out useful. Thank you, Lee. I'm going to call Tom again and just t- talk about your failings as an employee sometimes. Um, so, but I uh him what's going on and Charlie has a wife and children in Houston and a job, but he's recently taken a new job in Colorado. Right. And he's doing the thing where he's out there for like a week setting stuff up for there. He said, right. So, you know, I got, uh, I got time in my hands and a bootleg version of Photoshop. So right. It's about to be on. This. So we've got Glenn as the Borg. Okay. Wow. Right. And then in what is a much better Photoshop job than it actually needed to be. Glenn as Emperor Palpatine. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, it's yeah. So great. Good. Charlie went strong on that yeah. stuff. There, there was drop shadows and all yeah. kinds of yeah. uh, serious action. And we had Glenn uh, defending himself with his own, his own photo. <laughs> uh, what I did was, I I wanted to remind the people: here's what my body actually looks like, because you're pasting my head onto all sorts of other bodies. That are not my body, so I said, "Here's my actual body," and which looks I, a lot like Gerard Butler in 300. It turns out I can't help that. So, sure, 
Was that was that an actual you photo holding a of spear you? Spear when you pose for photos. Hey. Was, it, was that an actual photo of you, like in a, in your King Leonidas outfit, or was that or was that a Photoshop? Let me just try made? and tell you. Some people are the original, and some people copied the original. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, every now and then, I like to I, I like to just Leonidas out. You know, I, sure. I'll go to the to the post office. With my Spartan uh, rig on, and let them know how it goes down. Well, you know, uh, you know, just because they make a movie and these guys got their painted on uh, abs and whatever, sure. they a, didn't work for those abs the way you did. That's you, you know, I'm not going to apologize for being cut. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow, that is incredible. So uh, that so I sent that out, sure. So people would know what the real me looks like, you know, because I I don't want to be one of these airbrushed models, you know. Sure. So that so you just that like to keep out. it humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let enough already with photoshopping my head on other things, you know. <laughs> so that's what I did. What's well, funny is occasionally, you know, um, we'll be up here in Chicago looking kind of online stuff and music stuff. We're talking talk marketing, and occasionally I'll read up on some best practices. And the, the social media, they all, I'll talk a lot about audience participation. Sure. I don't think this is what those people, those Stanford no, professors meant. Definitely not. Well, because nor- your normal social media audience participation is like Tide's Facebook account being like, what type of Tide do you use for stuff? Right. Tell us in the comments. It's not normally photoshopping Glenn, not normally photoshopping the CEO of Tide's face onto <laughs> the great Borg. villains of science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, it was a disturbing week for me to see yeah. my face uh, in various uh, places. And uh, that this is not something that uh, the world needs more of. Well, if you disagree with that. I, I happen to now have a Dropbox folder full of photos of Glenn, and if you'd like uh, <laughs> wow. a link to that to show off your own uh, Photoshop skills and maybe earn yourself wow. a bit of swag, you can just, you can just drop me a line there. The so madness continues. Well, you know, because you, you think you started a Christian podcast, you want to, as you say, you want the audience participation, you want people to go nuts and uh, take this advice and go far and wide, and you, you want the phone call that, that or the email that says, hey, you know what? I decided we're going to put on a conference and we're going to ask you to come and speak and put right. you up in a nice hotel, maybe, uh, uh, you know, lay out a, a spread. I don't sure. want to make any suggestions, but shrimp. Sure. sure. You know, cocktail kind of a... Cocktail and scampi. Uh, just, as a, just, as, just as a suggestion. Sure. You know, let me just say this. And uh, again, if it's not feasible, it's fine. Chocolate fountain. Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, also, fondue. No one ever said, uh, this is a lousy party where fondue was being served. Because as bad as it might be, A, at least there's fondue. Sure, there's cheese fountain. Nothing wrong with that. Cheese fountain. Uh, and let me try and tell you this. You could put more than one cheese in that cheese fountain. Absolutely. Now you it's got a blend. Yourself, now you got yourself a party. Sure. So you're saying that was your vision of what would happen when you started a Christian podcast. A fountain with little, multiple cheeses. Sure. Right. Uh, now, you know, set up at the Four Seasons, cheese fountain, maybe a little for the ministry, and you just go share some thoughts. And, and this is for the kingdom. Right. Sure. To right. further the kingdom. Uh, instead, 
I have to wake up bleary-eyed and confused and check my Twitter feed <laughs> to see my face on sci-fi villain bodies. <laughs> and it just, it just, it's not gone the way I had hoped. Sure, sure. Well, would you like a ministerial word to comfort you in sure. this difficult time? that would be awesome. Well, I'm reminded of that great theologian Lil Wayne Grudem. Um, uh-huh. who is famous for you know, his meditation on the sovereignty of God, or as he put it, yo, he runs this. So the, the key thing is, Glenn, it's all exactly the way it was meant to be. Whatever's well, bothering you is exactly the way it was meant to be. If you, really. listener, like I, were sitting through this whole emergency going, Jed's being awful quiet, I think we just found out why. <laughs> I think from the moment Lil Wayne Grudem hit his eardrums, he he's just, been coalescing that and waiting for the moment to unleash it. I, I want to be clear here. Um, Lil Wayne Grudem may be the best thing of all time. Yeah. I can't tell you how happy that makes me. The the problem, I can't say that I'm a Lil Wayne fan because that will get me in big trouble in certain quarters. So I'll say I've listened to a lot of his music for research purposes. Yeah, that's it. Here's the the funny thing. Speaking of having a Christian podcast, you say, you know, this is the the wonderful portmanteau of Lil Wayne and Wayne Grudem. Jed is less steps removed from Lil Wayne than he is from Wayne Grudem. That's actually true. That's true. Yeah. Actually, a very close friend of mine works in... um, uh, kind of concert lighting and, and lighting design for you know big shows and whatnot. He's the dude. In that. He, he's the dude, and he um, he had actually done um, was it Russell Westbrook's party? Was that who? I that think was? yeah, it was the, it was, I think it was the concert at the NBA All Star Game. Um, and and Lil Wayne performed at it, and right. uh, and I was asking, like, dude, what's that? Super nice guy, sure, lovely dude, yeah, professional, right. showed lovely up on time, guy. easy so, to work with. Yeah, so uh, you're just you're rocking my world with a Lil Wayne Grudem. Just it's like he would ask him. Are you ready? And Lil Wayne would go, let's go! Well, now, that, I believe, may be more Lil John. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, they're both Lil. Then, then he, then he says, okay! Well, now, that's definitely Lil John. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, but. That's, he's my favorite. All right, well, considering that we've devolved into middle-aged white guys talk about hip-hop, <laughs> I'm now officially declaring <laughs> emergency off. Because, uh. uh it ain't going down like that. It, yeah. And then and then then DMX would come in there and they What? Yes. Sure. These, these guys are really great artists cuz you could tell because they say uh, one word a lot. Well, yes. There there is that. Or sometimes two words like I, I want to officially say given um this particular gentleman's um history of punching people who say mean things about him, I'm distancing <laughs> myself from Glenn's DMX comments. <laughs> What? <laughs> so yeah, no. I uh, here's what I'm saying is, uh, what we were trying to do was to tell the people out there that um, we want to make demands as hosts, and then have people do things. Okay, for them to be our minions is the yeah. polite way <laughs> to put it. Well, now we we started off with you know give us the tools to allow us to rise to absolute power by having a layer or by, you know, having uh, 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 the kind of uh, jumpsuit that, let's say, a Bond villain would wear. Sure. And and, and we, we sort of said, okay, as a jumping off point, let's, you know, let's Photoshop that as if it were happening to sort of serve as a... Um, uh, uh, kind of uh, an Oprah-esque vision. Yeah, we're, we're you know it's sort of like when you have a movie, you do like a design sure. of the uh, all the different yeah. costumes and Absolutely. set design, and you look at that, and then you go from there. See what I'm saying? Concept okay, art. So, 
concept art. Well, we've we've done that. Okay. So what we need to move on to is the part where we ascend to power. Sure. And take start taking control. See what I'm saying? Sure, absolutely. It's just the photoshopping, you know, people because here's what's going to happen. People are going to say, "Sure, he's photoshopped into uh, you know, like a tank rolling on uh, on 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 Berlin, you know, and whatever." But uh, you know, when, when's the real thing going to happen? Sure. See what I'm saying? Sure, you know, he talks about wearing an eagle costume and and wrestling with Putin. But when's it really going to take place? Sure. Winner take all. U.S. takes over Russia well, if I pin him, you know. The right. only thing is, after all of the things that we have imagined on the show, I'm kind of surprised that some of the photoshopping has waited till now. I mean, we've had we've had you uh uh poping him like a hurricane. Right, and we've had you. That was that was when I was running for pope. We had we've had you. Uh, you were going to wrestle Joel Osteen. Right. Um, we've also had you. Um, we we as you mentioned, you were going to have a you know a, a big fight with uh, Vladimir Putin. And right, th- these are these are all things that could have been shopped easily. I, I think I think you're getting away light, especially if I remember correctly. I remember the very first episode, the very first issue. Of Bridgebox that came out, you, there was a very lovely video of you coming on there and saying, you know, everything we're doing, this belongs to you. Go crazy. And I right. feel like the people are just saying, I, I feel like you gave me license. I'm just going to go crazy. Right. Right. Well, what I'm hearing is, A, a lot of people talking about the emergency after I said emergency off, which right. yeah, <laughs> that's, um, that's pretty much to be expected at this point. But B, and I think we can close it out, um, I think, Glenn, what you're saying is you want people to Photoshop more potential futures for you. Absolutely Careers, not. incidents, um, totally. kind of military stuff, maybe Glenn is Secretary of the Interior, whatever you think Glenn's future <laughs> needs to be. Absolutely. Yeah, you go ahead and Photoshop that up in the hopes that he will be inspired by that and start pursuing that path. Uh, definitely do not. Anyone do that. who photoshops Glenn speaking at the Passion Conference. Oh, oh no. yes, I that will unload be, so much merch on you. You will not be able to move. Yeah, that, that would be truly horrible. Well, we're not. Glenn is not getting invited to speak at these uh, these conferences because um, that would super not go well. <laughs> That's so true. But also, we don't need them. Here's why we don't need them. We got we got our own thing. We got we got a conference that comes to you every month. Ooh. Whoa. Original worship tunes, preaching, devotionals by, I think we're uh, we've got we've got uh, one this week by uh, this month by a very successful attorney. Yep, we've had authors, we've had uh, denominational leaders, we've had pastors, we've got a bunch of good guest music. That's Bridgebox comes out every month. Missionsale.com slash Bridgebox sign up that for eight dollars a month. But here's the thing that's a that's a varied description because Bridgebox is a varied thing. You think to yourself, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Can't wrap my mind around it. Can I can I sample it? Yes. Can I get a Pro- free taste. Probably yeah. that's impossible. Well, I mean, Glenn, does the technology even exist? Glenn, that's a dumb thing to say, and you're dumb for saying it. I'm tell you why. <laughs> really? <laughs> I thought there were no dumb questions, Matt, but apparently I never there s- are. Have mm-hmm. I ever said that? <laughs> no, no, actually, in fairness, you haven't. You can now try a 48-hour sample of Bridgebox. That's you right, got- dummy. <laughs> 
Why hadn't you already done it? You <laughs> stupid or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so bad. Yeah, it's going to go terribly. Okay, so we've got the link on the on the uh, blog. That's bridgechicago.tumblr.com. we got a bridge. we got a link. We'll be retweeting the bridge, uh, twitter.com slash the bridge CHI. You'll see it on Facebook. You'll see it on all our individual blogs. We'll get that around this, this uh, week. But you click on that. Write your email address. You verify that within 24 hours, you get a custom link that lasts for 48 hours. You try out a bridge box. You download everything. Keep everything you want. And if you decide you like it, you can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Keep that coming in. You get a lot of cool stuff. And the most important part is you get to fund ministry directly to people at the jailhouse, coming out of jail, coming out of addiction, coming out of gangs right here in the city of Chicago. You can sign up for the Lee Younger version. That's a new track from Lee every month. And you support the work he's doing down there in Tennessee. You sign up for both. Email me, Matt, at MissionUSA.com. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. Or are you chicken? <laughs> the McFly way to go. All right, this came into, speaking of Glenn's blog, this question came into it. It happens occasionally because uh, that blog gets more questions than our blog because it's um, quite popular. It's quite popular. Wow, it's, it's, that was the pause and the voice going up. That was the sincerity one-two punch. All right, this question's a little long, but that we, we really didn't want to edit it down too much because there's a lot going on in here. So yes. this came to Glenn's blog anonymously, and it says, I was in a Bible school, and they ended up hiring a director who was spiritually abusive and dishonest. Even after this person was let go from the position, myself and some of the other students who were under him find ourselves unable to trust the church. Nobody defended us or tried to help us, and they just don't seem to understand what we faced under this leader because he put on a great front to the congregation and the church staff. We would be publicly called out and told that God was not pleased with us because, according to this leader, we just weren't giving God our all. We were just all around really hurt by it, and it's just really hard to adjust and serve God because I feel like I almost don't know how to anymore, and I feel like no matter what I do, it isn't going to be enough, and the church is just going to let people get hurt or feed them false doctrine and condemn people even though they're doing their best. I am now in a different church, and I'm heavily involved in the worship and youth ministries, but I still find it difficult not to be skeptical. Even though that the, even though what the pastor and my professors are preaching is biblical, I still don't want to believe it. I want to be involved in outreach, but I immediately want to get upset when I'm asked to help and I haven't volunteered of my own accord. And I don't know, and I know that isn't a godly attitude to have, but it's something I just can't seem to shake. I don't know if any of this makes sense or not. I'm so confused. How do I move forward? And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very, very sorry to, to hear about this. Uh, it's a, it's a, a, a heartbreaking thing to happen it's a it's also sort of a, a time of uh a, you know a, a disillusionment you know a sense of the church isn't what i thought it was uh uh but here's what i will tell you about that is that i think that a certain small amount of skepticism in this case is a good thing test uh, every spirit as the bible puts uh, it test every spirit as the, as the bible puts it um uh, there's a, a a verse that I like, a little tiny, tiny comment in uh, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 11. And uh, Paul is talking about uh, the Bereans. Uh, he's, he's leaving Thessalonica and going to Berea. And he's talking to the Jews in Berea. And he says that, that the Bereans were of a more noble character which is a cool thing to say. Here's why he said that. Uh, it's because, as he put it, 
that uh, they received the word that he was giving them, and then they were taking that and examining the scriptures thoroughly to see if what he said was lining up with Old Testament uh, prophecy, Old Testament doctrine, and so on and so forth, uh, whether that the, these new things that were being preached, this new gospel, uh, had a harmony with what was in the Old Testament. Uh, they were they were putting what he said to the test, and he complimented that. He said that th- this is a this is a noble thing. This is a good thing. Uh, I I think that's something more Christians need to do. Uh, everyone on this podcast, uh, if you gave us one wish, it would be that Christians would be more discerning. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you, they will swallow seemingly anything. And the thing that you've dis- discovered here is that there is no mechanism within the church, not even within any individual denomination that I'm familiar with, where someone is going through and evaluating the quality of those ministries uh, to make sure that the people are getting well-fed and that, that there's no manipulation going on, such as what you've experienced, and uh, looking for good quality ministry that's going on and making sure that that receives additional funding and re- uh, 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 receives additional resources to keep going. There is also no mechanism within the church where someone's coming in and evaluating ministries that are manipulative, that are not... Uh, doing uh, a good job with their people and uh, making sure that those people get additional training, that making sure that those people are removed from the front lines and kind of uh, taught better ways of doing the work that they need to be doing. Uh, the church is not set up for that, doesn't do that, and that means it's not writing to the rescue. There, The, the church is, uh, and I'm, I'm going to start here and I'm going to send it around to these other fellows. The church is a collection of big fat sinners who are screw-ups just like you and me. And to expect the church as a group uh, to act better than who we are individually is, uh, uh, as much as anything, a a, a poor understanding of sociology. Uh, We act worse in groups than we do as individuals uh, with less morality and, and, and less responsibility. Uh, but the truth is the church is not set up to do what you were hoping and maybe expecting to happen here. So uh, there is a, a work of uh, 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 changing our, our expectations and our views of the church. But uh, I'll send it around to the rest of these guys to kind of flesh out how to handle all of that. It's a great uh, a great place to start. And Lee, why don't you take us back to kind of the beginning of the beginning on this. And what's the godly attitude in this may not be what it seems like it would be at first glance, right? Yeah, I think for for a lot of us, when something happens to us as believers, we think, well, the only godly attitude that I can have is just to blanket, you know, everything over with, well, I'm I'm just going to forgive these people and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and all that kind of stuff. And the fact is that 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 the place of forgiveness and the fact, you know, the place of Believing the best about people, you know, that's what love, love believes all things and all that kind of stuff. That is somewhere that you want to end up someday. But make no right. mistake about it. The place where you want to start is um, if you find that, that in what, when you look back at what happened to you, that you are very upset and confused and pissed and pretty hurt about what you experienced, 
that that all tracks. That is right on. I mean, in fact, that's that's where that's that's where you start with emotionally kind of dealing with the things that have happened to you. Make no mistake about it. What happened to you was wrong, all the way wrong. Um, The godly leadership uh, should have dealt with this in such a way that there was an total, you know, you know, this dude has gotten rid of, they apologize to you. They apologize to whomever was, you know, hurt by this, by this dude, the way that he's schmoozing everybody and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, the thing is, is that the Lord is not happy with this kind of behavior. Amen. Uh, in fact, there's a place where Jesus says, let me tell you something. Sin is going to come into this world. Okay. People are going to sin. That's going to happen. But woe on the people through whom it comes. Mm. And he says, look, I know people are going to screw up, but don't you be the one that leads my little ones to do it. He said, right. it would be better. It would be better to take a millstone, which is, which is you know, a, a millstone was this huge stone that they used to grind grain, uh, a, a stone that is, you know, two, three times as, you know, the size of your car. Uh, it would be better for you to take a millstone and tie it around your neck and chuck yourself into the ocean than, than to set up a situation where you are causing this kind of hurt and, and pain to, to people that are precious to Jesus, to mm-hmm. one of his little ones. That's what he says. Jesus is very, very upset about the, the, this kind of treatment. He takes it very seriously. He is not happy about it. And so, you know, when we look at, you know, getting your heart to a place of forgiveness and moving on, yes, that's where you want to aim your, you know, that's, that's where you want to navigate towards, but it's not where you start out. You start out by telling the Lord exactly how you feel and knowing that he feels that with you. And that's okay. It's okay to be real about that, uh, about where you're starting out. You can't really get a hold of what you're supposed to do until you allow yourself to see this from the Lord's point of view and be real about the way you feel about it. That's absolutely great. And Jed, you have some somewhat firsthand experience this being treated very uncoolly by church people, right? Yeah. And I should say off of that, dude, I'm, I'm really sorry for what you've been through here. I know all of us are. When I was about 15, I was on a missions trip, um, and, and this was uh, the agency I was working with. This was pretty um, labor-intensive stuff. We were renovating an orphanage, so we were literally mixing mortar, laying bricks, you know, pouring concrete, that kind of thing. And um, the country we were in um, actually is a fairly significant Muslim population, and. Um, this would have been back in the mid-90s. And kind of before the advent of the internet, uh, kids in other parts of the world would be about 10 years behind music. So even though Nirvana was the big thing in 1994, in the country where I was, Iron Maiden uh, and Metallica were the big thing. Right. So we're, we're working over this uh, orphanage. So Jed was in paradise. Exactly. It's great for me. Uh, so we're working over this orphanage, and there's a couple of kids. They're probably eight, nine years old. Uh, you know, come around to see what's up. And, you know, one of them has an Iron Maiden t-shirt on. One of them has a Metallica t-shirt. And I, I love heavy, you know, music. So, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm talking with them back and forth and talking about our favorite songs and this, that. And, you know, because they spoke a little bit of English, which is good, because I, I definitely didn't speak any of the language they use in that country. And, um we had, you know, just a fun time hanging out and getting to know each other and, you know, building you know, that, that rapport. And as soon as I walked away from it, there's a girl that had been on the missions team. I, I, I don't remember her name anymore, but I remember her face as clear as a bell. She just looks at me and just completely deadpan. God is so disappointed in you right now. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? Talking about that kind of music with children. <sighs> it, just, it just walks away. And... Wow. 
you know, I mean, as you know, as a grown person now, of course, I can look and be like, "Oh, sweetness, please." Um, but in that moment, you know, you're you're a 15 year old kid. I mean, that that really really hurts a lot. And you think, yeah. well, I mean, she wouldn't say if it wasn't true. I mean, there's got to right. be something in there. Well, let me pause that for a second. Something like that uh, in my life, something what you've experienced is traumatic. There's right. there's a trauma to it. Yeah. Here's what I've experienced working with with folks going through a rough time for many years now. When you experience a trauma, you have basically two options in your life. You can choose to be crushed by that experience and to live life as a wounded person, um, basically trying to kind of hobble your way through it. Uh, And you come by that honestly, um, certainly because you have been wounded, or you decide as a journey to rise above what you have been through and find some way to be stronger as a result. That doesn't sound like it would be possible. I guarantee you in the Lord's strength it is possible. I'll tell you how that's worked out for me. Today, a big part of my job is using not just loud music, but extreme death metal to help at-risk young people learn the Bible. Um, We mentioned my friend who does lighting. uh, About a year ago, we were doing a music video for that purpose. It was a death metal Christian music video to help uh, at-risk kids memorize the Bible. Well, when you say, I'm going to take the thing that the devil tried to make me feel bad about, and I'm going to use it to further God's kingdom, that's kind of shoving it up the devil's hind end. It's kind of what that is. I would encourage you in the strongest possible terms to make that your goal. Also, could we get a Christian metal band called Devil's Enema? Yes, I'm I'm completely in favor. Just as a side note. You you mentioned worship, you mentioned youth ministry, you mentioned outreach. I think the devil has made it his business to wound you in regard to those things and make sure that you feel weird about having something to do with them. The thing all of us want to encourage you as a journey is to figure out how to rise above that experience, to be more than a conqueror, to to get stronger off of it, and to shame him that he would do that to you. Absolutely. Just to add a, a, a real quick thing on the end of that. Um, the, the, the thing you want to think about moving forward is boundaries and not suspicion. You don't want to be suspicious of people that didn't do anything wrong uh, and, and uh, kind of read uh, a, a, a negative intent. Because what the, what the devil does is he gets you seeing bad stuff in people who are, are not doing anything bad. And then he makes you feel guilty for seeing that. Yep. And that's now he's got you coming and going. Here's the way to deal with that is put up solid boundaries that you're not going to put up with the things that you were made to put up with beforehand. <coughs> so if there's a manipulation that you were going through before, you say at this point, I'm, I'm not going to – if you manipulate me with fear, shame, or guilt, I'm going to cuff you. I'm going to tell you, never do that ever again or I walk. So help me, Jesus, don't do that again. That and that by doing that, you set up a situation where you're not uh, uh, in a position to go through that. Uh, 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 similar to what Jeb was saying, I, I went through my own uh, set of uh, tough experiences in the church that I grew up in, and it was one of those things that the church sort of devolved in, and it had been great, and it went through a period of decline that I was too young to really perceive. And, uh, you know, some of that new leadership that came in was were really on some, real, you know, the kind of stuff that you've gone through here. But here's one of the things that, that, that happened with that, just to give you an example, uh, is they, they were sort of known for the secret meeting. There was a meeting where they're not going to tell you what the agenda of that meeting is, and you'd show up, and then they were going to zing you with accusations. Well, because you didn't know what the meeting was, you couldn't prepare... 
a response to those accusations. You couldn't line out a, a defense to those accusations. They were, and, of course, doing this because the Bible speaks very glowingly about things done in the dark. Absolutely. Exactly right. You know, so they, they had this whole way of just sort of uh, setting you up to fail, and that was sort of their methodology. Well, I went on to work for a ministry here in Chicago. It has nothing to do with the church growing up experience that I had at all. They, you know, a world away. They couldn't possibly know anything about it. But occasionally my boss would want to have a meeting, and I'd say, so just so I know what's this meeting about, is, what is this meeting about? And he'd say, ah, it's no big deal. I don't, I don't want to get into it. I'll, we'll talk about it when I, when I get there. And I had explained to my boss, you know, just so you know, I actually don't do secret meetings. Uh, so just give me a sense of what it is, the, the topic heading, and I'd be happy to go. But you need to know I've kind of been burned in this area. And um, it's just a thing with me. And I'm sorry if that's weird, but... Uh, whatever, and, and he understood, and he was cool about it, and said, you know, uh, I want to talk about what we're doing with this or changing the schedule on that. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Just just one thing I've been burned on that I that I just don't, don't do anymore. It, I think you can ask people to be considerate of you in that way, and what that does is it puts up boundaries that keep you from having to be suspicious right. about people, That's and I cool. think that creates a whole lot more of a healthy environment. That's a great point, and I would add to that the idea of boundaries versus skepticism. And there's a, the thing about is this kind of paranoia more than skepticism Glenn's talking about is there, there's no amount of evidence that can make that go away. That's the difference right. between a healthy skepticism and an unhealthy paranoia. Right. right is the healthy right. skepticism says, hey, Kevin Burn by the secret meeting thing in the past. So what's this meeting about? Well, it's about the budget XYZ. Okay. Right. He told me what the meeting is about. Now, here's the, here's the thing is you're going to heal from stuff and I can. I'm sure. Glenn, I'm sure Glenn still had funny feelings about going to that meeting. Right. Just left over from the fact that at five minutes ago this was a secret meeting. Right. Exactly I still have secret right. meeting feelings. Exactly right. Yes. Yes. But yes, yes. you can look at the evidence and say, well, this person's never screwed me on this. Right. And they're willing to go with me on this. So right. That's right. cool. Right. That's kind. Of, but you have to have some confidence in your own boundary. Mm-hmm. to make people step up to that. And I think confidence is a big thing here. As we talk about healing and going back and rebuilding, it's one of the big things you're going to need to start off rebuilding is your own confidence in yourself, yes, but not in the really new age way. You're in your own relationship with God and your what in church going to be your identity in Christ. Because basically someone came at you with some really jacked up uh, theology and and not as a remark on you, just being young and being not really knowing the mechanisms that we've talked about. Because if you, much like Jed's experience with the uh, with the uh, gal on the mission trip, if you haven't ever seen any different, you just assume that all this is meant to help people yep. because it's church and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, it turns out when you get mm, things like hundreds of thousands of dollars and egos involved, well, some of the helping goes away and it becomes about serving some other things Mm -hmm. other than helping. But a lot of what you want to get to, and this is a year, a year's decades long process is, but as Glenn says, someone says, I think God's super disappointed. You can work hard enough. You say, that's not in the Bible at all. Mm. Either show me a significant number of Bible verses or never say that to me again, Mm. but you don't, you can't start there and you're not going to get there tomorrow. Right. So what you, a big part of what you want to do is be in an actual nurturing safe environment, Mm. which is why, and speaking of confession time, this was Lee's note in the thing, but I'm not going to throw it to Lee. I'm just going to do it. Nice. (laughs) But uh, it's a quick point of that. We've, we've talked about this before the show, the idea of, well, but what they're, 
this new church is biblical. Biblical is not like some grand, amazing. Biblical is the bare yeah, yeah, minimum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can be biblical and be, to use a theological term, a giant jackass about it. Yeah. Right. So if you just this, we've talked about this. We've had actually direct questions. People saying, "Can I leave this church?" It is biblical. Yes. If you're not being built into and nurtured, and you have a very specific set of needs coming off this trauma. Not, doesn't mean a church is bad. Doesn't mean the pastor are bad. But if they're not meeting your needs in that way, this new church, you can shove off fine with these. And Jed, you got one more thing on this? Just real quick. Sometimes it's helpful as you're navigating stuff to have somebody to, to bounce the stuff off of. We want to encourage you to find people you can trust in your own life to yeah. bounce the stuff off of. In the meantime, we'd love to talk to you. Um, uh, any of yeah. us, but particularly Glenn, um, yeah. actually, um, shoot any of us, but again, particularly Glenn, shoot us a message. We won't think you're crazy. I promise. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we know what it's like to deal with this stuff. Don't face we us really alone. We really do. We've, we've yeah. been through this, this stuff before. This is not, you're, you're not the only one. So that's why we're saying don't face us alone. You don't need to. We don't want you to. God doesn't want you to. Again, you want to find people there in your own life. That may take time to whatever extent it does take time. Please contact us, contact Glenn. We'd love to be, if nothing else, a sounding board for you as you work Amen. through. Absolutely. I remember our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr box and it says, (coughs) I can't stop thinking about sex, girls, and body parts and all that fun stuff. Mm. Not a bad band name. Sure. These thoughts pop up in the most awkward and inappropriate settings like church, hospital, Mm. and work when I'm talking with my parents. Given that I am probably years away from getting married, how do I cope with all these thoughts? But this is just being 15, though, right? <laughs> I, th- I think that's what we're going to discover as we answer the question. But sure. Okay. Lee, you want to start us off? Well, uh, hey, thanks for, for writing into us and for being so uh, honest about this. Uh, I, yeah. th- I think a really good place for us to start is, uh, and this is stuff that we've talked about before, but you know, we're picking up new listeners all the time and stuff. And so it's a really good place for us to start just to say, hey, uh, take a deep breath. This is completely and utterly normal. Um a lot of times the where we can get caught up on stuff like this is feeling like well if i think about sex all the time and i know there's something there there's something that feels wrong and messed up about that that probably means that i am like the only person in the world who's ever thought about sex. Mm. And here's the thing is, um, you are not alone. You're not a freak or a weirdo. This makes perfect sense. Um, it, in fact, it, there's a certain degree of this to where, you know, to which uh, if you didn't think about sex ever, or if it didn't appeal to you or something like that, that might be a different conversation that we'd want to have where it would be yep. like, let's find out why. You know, yep. let's, let's kind of dig a little deeper on this. It, God invented sex. He invented you to like it. Uh, he invented you to be thrilled by the thought of sex and body parts and all that fun stuff, as you say, and as Matt wants to name a band after. I... I um, one of the one of my favorite verses, um, just to kind of speak into this into this thing, is it comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter four. It says this about Jesus: For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. I think the thing for me that's so cool about that verse is that whoever you know, the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying. Jesus, make no mistake about it, he knows exactly what this feels like. He knows what it feels like to be tempted in every way. 
This is what it's saying. There is no, it, it doesn't say that there's, there's certain things that you get tempted by and it's, it's like super wrong for you to be tempted by it. No, Jesus knows exactly what it feels like. Another thing is being tempted by something is not the same thing as sinning in it. It's not the same thing as doing it. That's a really cool thing. It's a really important demarcation to make. Um, being tempted by something, have, having thoughts come into your head, that's not the same thing as carrying out something that you're going to regret or that you don't want to be involved in or that, that you know would be a, a misstep or a mistake. The place that, so that's, that's where we want to start. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. Jesus knows how this feels. It makes perfect sense. He understands what you're going through. I think that's really cool. And the thing that I would say, just kind of to the next little thing, just to kind of get us started on what do we do next, is I would really, really encourage you, if you have some friends that you trust, like you trust them completely, to to just in a in a way that's, you know, maybe it's more vulnerable than you've been before, but just talk to them about it. Hey, is anybody else going through this? Do you guys know what it's like to just have sexual thoughts just kind of pop into your head? And what what do you guys do to like keep yourself from from doing something that you regret or whatever? What what, what you know? How, how how do I cope with this? Can you guys pray for me? That's the kind of that's the kind of relationships that you want to set up. People that can that you can talk with about it, that can be praying for you, can discuss strategies, and uh, and so I think that's a good place to kind of start on this. I think you're absolutely right. It's a great place to start. Jed, why don't you pick up for us? Another uh, good thing to do is um, there's probably something you could be doing in this years and years period you describe, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And to, to be clear, we, we feel you. All of us um, uh, can relate to, to what you're describing. And it's worth noting uh, two very quick things. First of all, sex is good. Um, right. uh, Lee's right. It's worth going back and reviewing some of this. God created sex. It's good. It is not dirty. It is not bad. It can be misused and taken right. out of context, but in its context, it's good and it's great and it's lovely. Uh, very super important. Uh, B, um, during most of human history, around the time you started to think about sex, girls, and body parts all the time was also around the age you were getting married. Um, so, right. um, it, there was an exchange involving this many goats and that many sheep and that right. many, and now you're married and, you know, so you live in a culture where, uh, marriage and basically, you know, coming of age are quite dissociated from one another. And that's really hard. That's really difficult. Right. And, and we feel you, we know God understands that. Um, I, I want to at least share a great Bible verse. I want to share another one with you. This is from the book of Proverbs it's chapter five, verses 18 and 19, just God's perspective on, on your sex life. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. And may you ever be intoxicated with her love. So if you have the idea that God is against you thinking about body parts innately, the Bible does not agree with that. Again, right. you can take that to a weird place, but God created sex. He likes it. He likes the body parts involved. He thinks right. it's good. Now, Matt's point is, is there something we can be doing in the meantime? If you are you know, 15 or 16 years old, then yeah, you can't get married immediately, at least not in most states. Um, right. But you can get involved in dating. Um, right. You can um, yeah. start meeting people and go into the ice cream shop uh, within boundaries, maybe even playing a certain amount of kissy face. Right. Is is that everything that you want? Not at all. Is it better than nothing and sitting in your room dramatically? Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the funny thing on that, Jed. I love you to talk about this. There, there's, I think there's often a theory among kind of the people who are in this kind of panic about sexual uh, struggle stuff that 
if I'm this bad when I have no physical outlet, yeah. clearly if I had someone to play kissy face with, it would be, it would kind of be just Sodom and Gomorrah reborn. Absolutely. It sounds like that would be true, but experience does not bear that out. Yeah. There are few things in life more powerful than momentum. In any field, when you have positive momentum, it is so much easier to be patient when you have some form of positive momentum. Right. When you can say, look, it might be a long ways off, but I'm headed in a direction. Right. I can see progress. I'm getting to know people. I'm learning how to go on a date. It's the beginning of the end of Exa- that process. Exactly right. Man, it is so much easier to be patient and to be self-controlled when you can see some sense of forward progress. And um, it's Matt, you're absolutely right. When you're sitting in your wall and basically it takes everything you've got to not turn to your computer or your phone and look at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, it feels like... I mean, if I was there with a real human being, I would just lose my mind. But that's actually kind of not true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There there are some practical common sense things you can you can do, like, you know, maybe we don't need to be in that room together alone with the door closed and the lights off. Right. Um, you know, but uh, um, you have two things. You have more self-control than you think you do, generally speaking. This is the other thing. You have to learn to exercise it for it to get stronger. Yeah, um, right. uh, self-control is a muscle like any others if you if you never use it it, it will be kind of weak it gets stronger by learning to use it and there are some great things like playing kissy face that wait on the other side of responsible use of self-control right Glenn, Abs- I'm close out here yeah absolutely i think uh, here's the thing is um I, I agree with what jed is saying i think there is uh, a cultural tendency to put off marriage until later and later and later. Uh, understand in a secular context, those people are putting off marriage because they're already having sex. Oh, yes. Maybe may less than fully satisfying sex, but they're having sex. Uh, for Christians, for some reason, you look at the secular tendency to put off marriage and you double down on that and put it off even further. Like, we're not going to date until after we've graduated from college and then we're not going to date until we both have jobs and we don't... I hear this all the time, you know, when's the right time to start dating it? Is it when, uh, you know, uh, we graduate from college? Is it when I buy my mother her first house? I mean, you know, at at some point, there's always a reason to put that off. Uh, I think it's a terrible idea. Well, you know, because I'm way, way holier than you, Uh just so you know, Hallie and I are actually saving our first kiss for retirement. So Yeah, that's um, not a that's not it. Well, it's, you know, a lot of people can't be that holy. Um, <laughs> now, we, we can, so it works for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I understand, you know, probably you couldn't. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying that at all. Uh, yeah, that, that's the thing is, uh, you know, we're kidding here, but the, it's, it's really important for you to, to recognize uh, that, uh, that it is a, a, a tendency, uh, a cultural tendency to put, marriage off is is Jed's saying to to an extent that can get unhealthy and it's not necessary yeah. if, if it's time if you've met the right gal and it's time to get married talk to your parents and say okay we're halfway through college but we think now's a good time uh, to get married uh, the the bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 9 it's better to marry than it is to burn with passion and spend lots of time thinking about body parts and going nuts. So you know that's, that's <laughs> that last part was a bit of the Glenn <laughs> amplified version. I put a I put a, I put a little on it. So yeah, I put a little on it. But uh, first take was good. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying is this this is what it is. These guys are saying this is stuff that needs to be controlled, and they're also saying 
that it's natural and healthy. You're hearing both of those messages. Here's what you need to do. You need to hold both of those thoughts in your brain at the same time. Yeah. What what I see people screwing up is they say, well, it's natural for me to want to have sex. Therefore, I should let my nature run free yeah. and do whatever. Uh, that's That's not a good or godly way of going about anything. Uh, but I see p- people doing the other half of that wrong, where they say, okay, I need to control this, therefore I will declare it to be bad and unhealthy and say I must avoid it and vilify it and make turn it into something negative as a way of Tricking staying. themselves into having self-control. Yeah, and and that likewise is wrong, it's ungodly, it's, it's unhealthy, uh, it's not what we want to do. We want to embrace it. You, you're no, noticing body parts and bosoms and so forth. Wonderful, lovely. We just need to keep that under control. We know just to jump in right there because I, I think what you're saying is so right on. This is something I'm learning more and more as I as I get a little bit older. That idea of something where it is good, but we need to approach it in a controlled way. Right. That's true of every yes. good thing in life. Right. That's right. With zero exceptions. Right. And I think the funny thing is if you can, and I know the Christians are clear on that. I, I think right. and our, our culture, man, wants to go buck wild. Right. It, it's all or nothing. Either we avoid it completely or we go nuts. But nothing. I can eat 45 pounds of kale a day. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Nothing good in life works that way. Right. Every good thing in my life is a good thing that must be approached in the correct way. Right. That's Every right. single good thing in my life. And, and everything God wants me to receive, he wants me to receive that way, de- decent and in order. Right. And right. I think you can look at this with sexuality as not only a place to approach that, but as training for every other good thing in your mm-hmm. life yet to come. Yeah. If you can get to a place of embracing the goodness of something and being self-controlled in your approach to it, but, man, you are in position to have a joyful, joyful life That's off right. of that. That's right. Yeah, if I, if I tell you take an aspirin, don't take the whole bottle. Exactly one, right. One's good, a lot's not. That's absolutely right. All right, we move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously at our Tumblr box, and it says, How do I know if I should do missions? I'm torn between staying in the USA and serving people here or going someplace different and doing the same thing there. I feel like God has put people in my life here for a reason and that I should minister to them. But I also feel like it would be amazing to go overseas and that God would use me there as well to, quote, make disciples of all the nations, unquote. How do I know what's the right choice? Jen, would you start us off? Right on. Well, appreciate your question, and I love your heart. I really uh, appreciate uh, where you're coming from. The thing I would encourage you to do is, as you're trying to answer these questions, is to get involved in serving uh, right where you are right now today. Um, that, in fact, if for almost everyone, that's almost always going to be the right answer as the place to start. Here's, here's why. Um, Christianity, and particularly the service aspect of it, is something that you grow to understand as you do it. Uh, it's not something where you can kind of think it through and come up with a bunch of really cool conclusions and then start doing it on the basis of those. It's, it's a craft. You, you learn it by doing it. So you're going to discover things about yourself, about what it means to serve, what you like about serving, uh, what moves your heart uh, by serving where you're at today. Maybe you do that for the next six months and then you go to a distant land. Maybe you do that for the next 50 years and you never leave. But you're going to begin learning immediately and that's really, really what we need is we need some perspective and, and some knowledge which we can only get from doing. I would also encourage you, given that you have a heart for international missions, to see See if there are ways for you to serve immigrant communities right where you are right now mm-hmm. today. Um, you, Good idea. You'd actually get a ton of 
the same stuff you'd get with international missions. You get cross-cultural ministry, dealing with language barriers, dealing with cultural barriers, um, all kinds of good stuff. But you can do that right where you are today, mm-hmm. and you'll learn a ton. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. The key thing I'd encourage you to look for is what really brings your heart to life. What, what are the things that feel like a bell going off inside of you when you do them? They may not be the things you suspect, right. and that's that's okay. But that's that's the thing. Uh, I'll give you an example for me. Um, we do a certain amount of work with guys in uh, outlaw biker gangs. And uh, the first time I sat down with guys from those organizations, these are my people. Right. Uh, we've been talking for about 10 minutes just... These are my people. Right. Well, I think in some ways you're looking for that experience and it's, and it's waiting for you, but you will find that by doing, uh, not, not by reading and thinking and, and considering you'll find it by doing it. So that's what I'd encourage you to do. Get started right where you're at right now today. That's a great point. One of the things that uh, Jed is pointing out there is that um, no matter what you think missions, whatever that means to you will be like, you are a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of us was 100% wrong before we started doing yeah. ministry stuff, whether it's church ministry or foreign missions or domestic, whatever you think it's like, it's not going to be like that. Yeah. Right. And one of the other good things you can do um, now as you're figuring that out is figure out what it actually is like, which means asking people who are actually doing it rightly. Absolutely. I mean, what I would do, um, and I think Jed is absolutely right about those places to start. Another thing that you could do is find somebody in your community who's been an actual foreign missionary and, uh, and, and just pepper them with questions. Just, just ask them everything you can think to ask them. Tell them to, uh, to you know, tell them, tell me the stuff nobody's ever asked you, but you wish somebody would have. Mm. What's the thing nobody gets about your job? Uh, mm. When you when you were on the foreign mission field, what was the thing that just nobody ever asked about, and they just didn't understand about you? But you really wished we all got it. I mean, that's that's that would be such number one. That would be really cool and interesting just to have that conversation. But two, just to say, hey, from your perspective, what is it that we in the American church just don't get about Christianity out there in the field where you are? Um, that could be a cool, that could be a cool thing to find out is what, what are we missing, you know, about this whole deal? Um, and the other thing is just finding somebody who's doing a ministry that you really love and think is cool and just, and just say, um, Hey, I'm just, I'm about to become your apprentice. I'm about to just follow you around and learn what it's like to just do. You tell me what, tell me the grunt work you don't, that you don't want to do, and I'm going to do that, and I just want you to tell me all of your super secret ninjutsu. I want to learn everything you've got. And, and, uh, and, and just kind of hitch your wagon to somebody who's doing great ministry. That's an excellent idea. and it's, uh, Sometimes a lot easier to find foreign missionaries, you might think. A lot of, um, turns out that's not a lifetime career choice for a lot of people. Yeah. So your, your own church may have some people who did... Some all the things, and since we live in the uh, era of blogs and email and whatnot, you can uh, look up because a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of foreign missionaries have websites at this point because it's the best way to interact with their donors and do that kind of stuff. So email addresses are not that hard to find. And Glenn, what would you tell us on this? Yeah, I, I really would say fundamentally, it's about whether you like doing things from scratch or whether you like. Uh, working from sort of a set template. There's some people that just thrive on a certain amount of order and structure. They like um, 
the same exact liturgy every Sunday. They they like the the we know what the calendar tells us, you know, and those kind of things. And not to say that that that's and that split isn't creative people versus uncreative because actually that's the thing that brings out creativity in a lot of people is having those right. parameters to work in. Absolutely right. So some people that's just the way that they're wired. They like the the structure. They like plugging into that structure. Uh, missionaries like uh, myself. Uh, love starting from scratch. We love uh, starting outside the box and uh, uh, building things uh, up from nothing. There are a lot of people for whom that's a major league freak out, uh, and they don't maybe don't know that till they get into missions. There's a the, the you sort of have the, there's no safety net underneath you. There's no uh, uh, you know no sense of the security, so to speak. Of you you know every Sunday you're going to get up and you're going to go, and that church is going to be there. It may be boring, it may be uh, whatever, but you know it'll be there. Yeah. You don't you don't worry that it suddenly to evaporate when when you start a ministry from scratch uh you could show up and no one would be there yep. and, that, and now you're you now, now you know what uh, missions is all about <laughs> uh, i personally love yeah. that stuff i love the challenge of it that's why i'm in missions that's why i i, I have an endless uh, joy for any and all kinds of missions stuff uh, but the reason why I, I love that, I think, as much as anything, is I realized the first time I went into prison ministry, uh, and I'm doing a chapel service on Sunday, that I could make this into anything I wanted. Yep. That we could just yep. throw out stupid stuff that's not in the Bible anyway, that's just cultural tradition, and now it's just gone. We could trim all the fat, and we just get down to the high-octane stuff, and we could make it funny if we wanted to, and we could make it relaxed if we wanted to, and we could have question time if we wanted to do that. And suddenly, the freedom of that, and the and and the 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 ability to let the people sort of have a hand, and how it, it evolves, and and how it grows, and saying, let's just let this go whichever direction it needs to go in order for the ministry to happen. That is the kind of stuff that missions is all about. If you like that kind of stuff, then then that's uh, the way to go. I think along with that is uh, whether you do domestic missions, which is the term for what we do, that's uh, urban ministry, it's prison ministry, uh, what you might call mercy ministries, working with homeless people and those kinds of things, at-risk moms. Uh, I would also put a lot of parachurch youth ministry in that domestic missions uh, category. Uh, I think that's well-deserved. So uh, you could look at it as domestic missions, and then foreign missions. I think, as Jed's pointing out, uh, do you? Uh, how are you with languages and cultures? Is the big question to ask there. Uh, there, there are a lot of people that I know that are that are Christians. Bless them, and they see their own culture as sort of the supreme uh, 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 <laughs> example of how Jesus wants it to be. And these foreigners get it all wrong, and they need to. We need to just give them American style Jesus. Sure, they need more needs more casseroles. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's not it. Do not go into foreign missions with that because it will not go well for you. Uh, if you're the kind of person that loves languages and loves getting into other cultures and figuring out how to do things from within that culture, then overseas missions may really be your thing. Uh, for for me, um, the only gift that I have relates to talking. And you put me in another language, and uh, uh, you've just taken away my only uh, thing that I bring to the table. 
So that that put me in in domestic missions and stuff. Uh, but I think the if I could simplify that. Uh, d- the missions is the same whether it's domestic or foreign, whether it's you know one type of mission field or another. There's a, a ton of consistency across that. Uh, it's really just looking at do you like that unstructured nature of things? Yeah, that's absolutely right. One thing I would I would add on there, someone who has gone into domestic missions in the last several years, um, the the worst thing you can do is think about how it's going to be, how it's going to feel, yeah, and right. look. And the Instagram posts are going to be awesome when I'm on the plains right. yeah, of sub-Saharan yeah. Africa. Girl. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. It's all a job. Yep. It's mm-hmm. all the stuff. And that's one of the things that Lee makes a really good point about. Don't don't go on YouTube. Don't read books by missionaries. Actually ask them real things because yeah. here's the thing. And this is an actual uh, story from uh, my pastor and Lee's boss's life. Um, When you're telling the story 20 years on about how you were uh, – working with HIV-positive heroin addicts in Milan and would go into the park and evangelize them every day. That sounds super awesome and holy and hardcore. At the time, it's just a lot of dealing with bodily fluid of HIV-positive people. Yes. Right. Which is not awesome or romantic. Right. So no. one of the first things that needs to die is your sense of romance about any yeah. of this. Because right, right, right. especially the thing about missions is um, – it's it's task oriented. It is results oriented, not in the sense of got to have X number of people in this building or something. But it's very easy, as Glenn said, either people came to the meeting or they didn't. Either that person you're talking to understood or they didn't. Right. So it's there's not a lot of places to hide on yes. that kind of stuff. So yes. you've got to jettison a lot of stuff yeah. you thought it was going to be mm-hmm. in sure. order to make it work. And Lee, you got one thing close out on this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing that's – and this kind of goes across the board on missions. It's kind of on the same – kind of the same tip that we've been on for a minute but you know it's so funny how like like Matt's saying you know my my pastor my boss he was uh he was a foreign missionary for you know uh, over a decade came back to the states he's been you know doing this church for almost 20 years now and uh, so he's been in this business for a long long time and the number of times that that young guys sweep into our town and just crank up a church and they're just going to make it the coolest, most amazing church or, or start up a ministry or something like that, and they never once go to this guy and say, hey, can you tell me about this town? Um, mm. Can you tell me about uh, ministry? Can you tell me about preaching? Hey, I've never done a wedding before. Can you talk to me about that? Hey, man, I, I'm starting this church. I've never done a funeral before. Is there? Is there? You have any advice for me? And there, you know, you're looking at this guy. But by this point, this dude is—he's 60 years old. He's done everything, and and you know, it it would be a, a wise man getting into ministry would say, "Can I buy you a cup of coffee and just kind of bend your ear and ask?" How do I do this job? But people never do it. The the, the concept of teachability is mm. something that is so rare in ministry. But if you have, if you will come into this thing with the humility of I don't know anything, and somewhere in this town is a master Yoda that can tell me how to to really kick this thing off. That's that is a great way to start. Real quick uh, point, Matt, you're talking about uh, letting go of the romance. That's exactly right. Short-term mission trips can be a wonderful thing. They can be a beautiful thing. Um, they will not in any way give you a picture of what it's like to be a missionary. No. Uh, not, not even a little bit. Um, that's not to say that they're not good. They can be, again, wonderful, wonderful things. It's a different thing. It's, the, not, it's not a mini ver- – in the same way as we always talk about dating is not practice marriage, yeah. short-term missions is not practice long-term missions. Not right. at all. Right. To the contrary, what I'd strongly encourage you to do, get involved in something today and keep at it for three or four months. Yeah. yeah. Every week. 
um, uh, preferably multiple times a week. If you, for example, were helping to lead a chapel service at the county jail where you are, um, if you did that every week for uh, three or four months, that would give you a much better picture of what it would like, what it would be like to be in urban missions than any short-term missions project ever could. Because right. that mm-hmm. consistency, as Matt's saying, you got to be there every week. You got to have something to talk about. You got to figure it out. Problems come up. You got to figure out how to. That will give you a much better picture of what that's actually going to be like. Well, it's funny about that, and it goes back to. Kind of where we started on this with sir there's a place to serve people in your community now teaching going to the county jail and doing a chapel service every week for a few months would actually be better practice for being a missionary in venezuela yeah. than doing a week-long short-term missions thing in venezuela no where doubt. you go build a church that's completely yeah. true because the skill true. set has nothing to do with the geography yeah as mm-hmm. point, i think a lot of young kind of american christians get caught in this idea of being called to africa or a call to China or Germany, whatever. And people are called to specific places, don't get me wrong. But being a missionary in Africa is not different than being a missionary in China, than yep. Germany, than Brazil. Right. The language is different. Some of the culture you'll be dealing with, but it's all learning a culture. And that's a reason why uh, urban missions is very similar. It's a reason why, as Glenn mentioned, um, a lot of parachurch youth ministry is very similar. Mm-hmm. It's all putting the spreading the gospel in a culture that is not your own. Right. And those skills are very transferable. Whether that's behind mm-hmm. bars or foreign countries. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, you, actually another thing that means now is you don't have to pick foreign versus not foreign today. You can right. That's right. start that ball rolling and you're going to pick up skills. that will help in all those things. All right. So we're going to thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, you can get us to say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. If you're writing in the Tumblr, please mention the podcast. So I know you want it answered on here and not the blog missionusa.com slash bridgebox missionusa.com slash BBLY. Keep a lookout for the very special link that you can get a free 48 hour sample of Bridgebox. We're going to take you out with an outro song this week. We've talked a lot about the idea of there are steps you can take today. There are things you can do right now to help your situation. This is a worship song generated for the guys and gals of the bridge. It's called That Day Is Today. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, probably less funny than our audience. (laughs) (laughs) There come a day but I'm good enough to sit down with God Simply be loved When I can relax And not be afraid And just be myself The kid that he made There must be fantasy Except you say to me Except you 